being able to keep up with it. Things that we have now, we probably won't have in another two weeks to four weeks on a lot of our things. We've already sold out of a lot of things. And because of all these problems, higher prices for everything from fuel to food. This California shopper. We just have to tighten the belt a little bit more because of all the hikes. Now some other disruptions. 10,000 John Deere workers have walked off the job and this just in unemployment claims dropped last week to their lowest level since the pandemic began. Lawmakers investigating the January 6th Capitol riot are set to question four former Trump administration officials this week as Chris Van Cleve reports. This all comes as the committee sharpens its focus on former President Trump's knowledge and actions leading up to January 6th. CBS News confirmed former acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen sat for an eight-hour interview with the select committee Wednesday. The committee has also subpoenaed Jeffrey Clark. He's a former top Justice Department lawyer who, according to a Senate Judiciary Committee report, was allegedly involved in efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And checking Wall Street before the opening bell, Dow futures are up 281. This is CBS News. The leading sign of COVID is a fever, so everyone needs an accurate thermometer. Try the Exogen Temporal Scanner and learn more at exogen.com. That's exogen.com. With the help of Cheerios Oat Crunch Almond, I get everyone's morning started with a smile. It has a delicious and hearty combination of the Cheerios you love, whole grain oats, and sliced almonds for an extra crunchy crunch. That's how I set the rhythm for a great day. Look for Cheerios Oat Crunch Almond in your local grocery store. Maureen saved big shopping epic daily deals at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. And with her brand new tableware, everyone's welcome at Maureen's table. All of her family, friends, even her neighbor with the pet. Hey, has anyone seen a ferret around here? Found it. Dig into Amazon's epic daily deals. Spend less, smile more. A British baker gets heated on social media over what goes on your cupcake. CBS's Monica Ricks reports. A baker in Leeds, England, went on a rant on Facebook after someone reported him for the use of illegal sprinkles. Yep, you heard that right. The U.S. made sprinkles are illegal in the U.K. because of their use of red dye number three. Research shows they can cause thyroid tumors in rats, so they're banned. But the baker says British sprinkles are rubbish and don't bake as well on his popular cakes and cookies. I can't repeat how the other things he said, his language was just as colorful as those sprinkles. Monica Ricks, CBS News. TikTok, best known for its dancing and cooking videos, has also become a shopping hit. National chain stores are setting up their own TikTok sections now, hoping to draw in a young audience. There's even a new hashtag, TikTok made me buy it. TikTok wants to challenge Facebook as a social shopping site. I'm Cammy McCormick, CBS News. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. With confusion around vaccinations, masks, and public screenings, it's important to know the symptoms of COVID and its variants. Fever is the leading sign, so make sure you use an accurate thermometer for your family. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate with more than 100 clinical studies. Non-contact thermometers have no clinical evidence behind them and cannot be relied on. Be vigilant and be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. Come one, come on to the 171st Fairfield County Fair. Today is school day, Meyer Inc. Day, and the Buckeye Toyota Combine Derby at 7.30, along with the Human Tractor Pull at 8.30. Tomorrow's Homecoming Day, Performance Cadillac GMC Day, and South Central Power Day. Power Wheel Derby at the Grandstand at 7.10, with the Auto Demolition Derby to follow shortly after. Admission to the fair is free for anyone nine years or under, 10 and up for $7. It's a Fairfield County Fair, October 10th through the 16th at 157 East Fair Ave in Lancaster, Ohio. Hi folks, Bruce Ridenour with Ridenour Auto Group. Are you looking for a new car? You don't have to play it by ear. 
the best place to buy your next car is right around the corner. Just pop on into Right Now Auto Group in New Lexington and check out our stock of vehicles. At Right Now Auto Group, you'll find vehicles from Chrysler, Ford, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Experience a hassle-free environment while working with our friendly staff. Our sales team will work to find you the vehicle you want, and our finance department will work to get you a great deal. Have a car you want to sell? Shucks, that's okay. We want to buy your car too. Call 740-342-5146 for your VIP appointment today. Visit us this weekend in New Lex or see all the cars at RideNowerAuto.com. This is Bruce Ridenauer with Ridenauer Auto Group. We want you to ride in our cars. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. Roving reporter here. Excuse me, ma'am. I'll give you $14,934,386.83 if you can tell me the best place in town to get pops, chips, candy, sports drinks, and a lot more. Uh, Stop and Cop? That's right! Stop and Cop drive through carryout is the best place to get party stuff. Munchies, all kinds of pops and sodas. Excuse me? Candies galore, chips, sports drinks. Excuse me? Yes, what is it? What about my money? What money? Something, something million dollars. Can't remember how much, huh? <laughs> Stop and Cop drive through carryout. 362 Richland Avenue, Athens. Proud supporter of high school sports. It's when we dig deep. Moves it to Bjorkstrand, leaves it now for Texier, steps around his man, left wing circle. To do the right thing at the right moment. All the way around behind the net, wrap around and score! Nice shoot, Tex! It's our blue, and out of our blue, we rise. Choose the games you want and flexible payment options with the Blue Jackets ticket plan for the 2021-2022 season. Text TICKET to 26791 for more information. Stop by before or after the big game at Steak and Shake in Athens. Home of the Steak Burger and hand-dipped milkshakes. Open from 6 a.m. until 2 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Steak and Shake continues the 85-year-old tradition of serving the country's best, freshest, and tastiest burgers and shakes. Steak and Shake, located at 741 East 8th Street in Athens, Ohio. Proud supporters of Athens County High School football. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. You are invited to attend the 46th Annual Athens Invitational Marching Festival on Saturday, October 16th at 10 a.m. at Athens High School's Joe Burrow Stadium. The festival is sponsored by Athens Band Boosters, Kiwanis Club of Downtown Athens, and Chansey Dover Lions. Admission is $5 and proceeds go to benefit these community organizations. They look forward to seeing you at this exciting musical event. Hey, it's Boots. We dedicate the hour to trip away from teen driving safety to insurance to dodging those deer. Check it out. That's Auto Smarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970-WATH and 97.1 FM. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N-S. Good morning, everyone. It's Thursday, October 14th. This is the party line. We've got a guest today, Rabbi Manus Friedman. We'll learn all about him during this next 50 minutes. Very overcast right now, cloudy in other words, 63 degrees outside. But they say later on it's going to be sunny and 84. The party line on 970 WATH 97.1 FM as well. So let me see here. Let me get all my buttons just right. And uh, Rabbi Freeman, good morning. Good morning to you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. I have um, been fascinated. So in the evenings when I go home, and I, I, 
you know, when I have a guest coming up, I do a lot of research and read about them and everything. You're a fascinating guy, you know? I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna. But you've written a bunch. I tell you, I think I've found a dozen different books or so, all with fascinating titles. And, and the one that I found the most interesting, let's see, what was it called? Uh, about uh, blushing. Oh, doesn't anyone blush anymore? Question mark. And that's been published, uh, republished on four or five occasions now. Where do you live? I live in Minnesota. Yeah. St. Paul. St. Paul? St. Paul. Yeah. And are you an active rabbi in the sense that you have a, a, a church and a congregation and that sort of thing? Actually, I don't. I'm, I'm not a pulpit rabbi. I'm a teacher. And we have an exciting program that's been going on since 1970, especially for women who want to catch up on their uh, Jewish education or Hebrew education, and women from all over the world, and they come and, and the conversations and the discussions and the debates, and it's just been absolutely fantastic, eye-opening. Rabbi, you uh, were born in Czechoslovakia, and yes. um, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your parents. Well, my family is uh, from from Poland and from the Ukraine, not very friendly places at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, we managed to get out, uh, avoid all the uh, horrors, and uh, we were in a DP camp in, uh, in Czechoslovakia at that time. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, we were there for three years. I was born there. My sister was born there. And then we came to um, to the United States. Now, you mentioned a sister. Do you have any other uh, siblings? Yeah, there were eight of us. Eight of us. Remarkable. Mm -hmm. and, and tell me about some of their careers. You, yours is very unique, of course, and your parents must have been very proud of you as you grew up. What? Uh, but what about some of the others? Did they follow similar careers? Yeah, all eight of us are in Jewish education, in rabbinic positions and such. Uh, one is a Hasidic singer, probably the most famous and the most popular Hasidic singer today. Wow. His name is Avram Fried. You might want to listen to his singing online. I'll check it out. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> well, the Jewish Sinatra. Now, have you, um, what do I want to say? How many of the family eventually moved to the United States? Uh, we all, we all. Uh, Everybody? Except, yeah. Okay. The rest, the rest of the kids were all born here. I see. Well, um, <clears throat> the, 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 one of the things, I mean, there's a variety of statements I could go, but um, um, in the initial stuff I found on you, it said you your talk... You, you are an expert on how to build deep a deeper connection with your significant other. Now, that's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It's not any particular religion. It's just important in life, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a universal idea. It's a, it's a human condition idea. But it's so important in Jewish life because family is so central. And marriage is the, uh, the, 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 be the bedrock. Yes. Without that, everything tumbles. I, um, I'm going to tell you something that you may find remarkable. I was born Jewish and adopted as a baby into a Protestant family, Presbyterians. Uh, both my parents are gone now. They were, they were a little bit older than the typical parents when they adopted me and uh, were they alive now they'd be well into their hundreds mm -hmm. um, but um, I have that in my background and I, I so there's been a certain what would you call it fascination with the Jewish religion so yes, 
That is amazing. Yeah. Well, now and you are Jewish. Well, I, I, I was born Jewish. Now, now tell me why you say I am Jewish. <laughs> because of what you just said. You said you were born Jewish. Okay. So okay. Can't change how you were born. <laughs> well, then I need to do a whole lot more studying. Now, being Jewish is not just the practice of a religion. Really? Interesting. Because yeah. you can change the practice of a religion. Yes, of course. But, but being born Jewish means you're Jewish by birth, not by religious conviction. I'll be darned. Well, let me yeah. look into that further. But, uh, so you are a member of the tribe. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's neat. Um, the Jewish... The Jewish population in the world has just increased. <laughs> by one. By one. Yeah, by one. You're in New York State now, um, but um, so you travel a lot, right? Oh, yeah. And you speak a lot to many different uh, organizations, I know. And, and this, this book, the one in particular, Doesn't Anyone Blush Anymore, which has been published, republished, reprinted, whatever you call it, on four or five occasions. Um, but when you look at all the titles of the different books that you've written, and I swear there's like a dozen, um, they all deal with um, relationships. Or Intimacy. It, uh, say that again? Intimacy. Intimacy. Yes, intimacy. Yep. I like that better. Now... Um, how, how you are yourself married, right? Yes. And, um, and you have children now, um, the, why did this, this term intimacy or this concept of intimacy become so a part of what you teach and talk about and instruct others to improve? Oh, that is the perfect setup question. Uh, it's two reasons, actually. I do a lot of marriage counseling, and I have for about 50 years. Mm -hmm. And something developed that is a little shocking and frightening. Marriages that would be considered successful, people who are happily married, no complaints, and yet when you speak to them individually, they'll admit that they feel alone in the world. Mm. And it's a horrible feeling. You know the uh, Billy Joel song, The Piano Man? Of course. In fact, I think we played it last hour. Really? I think. Yeah, so there's a line there that says, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. That is a very powerful line. Say it one more time. They're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. Ah. There's a difference between loneliness and being alone. Loneliness you can share. You get two lonely people, they get together, they talk, they entertain each other, and they're not lonely for the hour or whatever. But then they come home, and it's not like they're lonely again. Now they're completely alone. Yes. And it turns out that this feeling of being alone in the world is actually a health hazard. It weakens your immune system. In England, they opened a department in the uh, Ministry of Health. They opened a special department to deal with the problem of loneliness because it's causing all sorts of health problems. So this being alone is really terrible, and the antidote is marriage. If marriage doesn't take away the feeling of being alone, uh, we're at the end of our rope. Well, I so, have, I've known people who were married, and yet they felt alone. Yes, and it's terrible. So as you go about talking to people and, and counseling, and how, how do you overcome that? How do you well, instruct them to overcome that? First, you trace it down to the cause. How is it that you're sharing your life day by day 
with another person and yet you're feeling alone? It must be because the relationship is lacking the intimacy. It's a practical relationship. It's a functional relationship. It's a pleasant relationship. But it doesn't have the intimacy that bonds two people so that they never feel alone. That's why the focus on intimacy. And then there's a second problem, which is a religious problem. Our relationship with God has become so selfish, so greedy. Now, the only time we think of God is when we want something from him. Give me, give me, give me. Or help me, help me, help me, you know? Yeah, right, right. It's lacking intimacy. There's nothing personal. How do do you... How do you become personal or intimate with God? Well, here's, here's the, uh, the ultimate surprise. The only way to become intimate with someone is to get to know their need. Uh, ah. That's powerful. God, the creator of the world, is the one that has a need. If you create a universe, you must have a need. <laughs> Why bother creating if you don't need it? But we have this attitude that God is perfect and needs nothing. I'm the one who's in need, so naturally all the attention is on me. But it's backwards. I'm, I'm just a guest. I don't have any real needs. But God, who creates the whole universe, by he must have a really big need. So to get intimate with God, I have to know what does he need from me. And then it turns out, this all, you know, developed over years. It turns out that I would much rather be needed than be needy. I'd much rather focus on someone else's need than on my own need. Because my own need doesn't justify my existence. I'm born, I exist, and I need. It just never ends. And there doesn't seem to be a point to it. So I live to not die. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Right. And even children are starting to catch on. Now you tell an 11-year-old, go clean your room. And he says, I don't have to clean my room. I didn't even ask to be born. Mm. And you think he's getting depressed. But he's not. He's just a smart kid. So this we don't ask to be born. Let's, let me go back to this thing, God. Um, you know, we have so many different faiths, religions. Um, is there? Do they have different gods? I don't think so. There's only one God. Okay. The question is, how do you approach him? What does he mean to you? What is What do you mean to him? And there, there's a wide variety of opinions. In other words, everybody believes that there's some creator to this universe. The question is only, what's he like? Does he know? Does he care? Does it make a difference to him? Well, the Judaism approach from from the Old Testament, as they call it, mm-hmm. is that God created the world for his purpose. He needs us to be here. We're here to serve him because he has a vast eternal plan that must succeed. And for that, he depends on us. So the Bible is not here to tell us what we need to hear. It's to tell us what God needs of us. It's an invitation to be partners with God in creation. And the objective is not for us to get to heaven. The objective is to bring God down to earth. Mm. To make earth the godliest place. Let me... me, um... I, and if I say something wrong, 
forgive me. There are, you just spoke of the Bible. Um, but in Julia, Judaism, Judaism, there we go. Um, it's the Torah, right? Yeah. Now, and there may be, I don't know a lot about many other faiths, so maybe there's some other book or document that is important to other faiths. What, when you compare the Bible with the Torah, let's use just those two examples. Are they both really cool? <laughs> yes. They're both really cool, except that Bible simply means book, whereas Torah means instruction. Instruction. Or guide. Okay. So the Bible is the guide for life that tells us why we exist and what we exist for. And that's what we need to know today more than anything else. We need to make sense of life, because it doesn't make sense anymore. For some reason, in our generation, people are not so enamored with being alive. And death is not that scary to people, certainly young people. And so they experiment with stuff that is dangerous. And, and it doesn't phase them. I had so a friend is- who, um, a couple, well, I guess a month ago, um, tried to take his own life. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I, I could never think of that. I mean, I have plenty of problems facing me with the business, with COVID, with everything like that. Why? But I've never been to the point where I thought, I just need to escape. Um, that, that had a very deep punch in my gut for me when this person tried to do that. Um, and I, I'm working with him as a, as a friend, and I think he's improving and he's getting counseling and so on and so forth. Now, again, um, your specialty, though, is relationships, but it could be a relationship with God. It can be relationship with a fellow human being. And your spe- or both or or, or both, both. Ah, yeah. yeah yeah so the reason people are so uh, suicidal today is not because their problems are overwhelming but because life seems to have lost its its appeal it's not like I have too many problems I don't know I don't know why I should I don't know why I should bother anymore and that's when you become suicidal. Now, you, you're not, you don't have that in your system, probably because you're on the radio. You deal with people. You, you communicate with people. Well, we, we certainly try. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and without you, there would be a gap. There'd be a, a, a hole in, in the universe. So... If I know that I am making a difference, I can handle any difficulty, anything. But if I start to doubt whether I make a difference, I'm becoming suicidal. Human beings must find reason and meaning and purpose to life, or they lose interest. To just hang around and survive, no, not good enough. In fact, too painful. Surviving and living for nothing is itself painful. Mm -hmm. If I can't say what my life is about, I'm too embarrassed to live. Well, now, it seems to me that I've known some people, maybe quite a few, who were married and yet really struggling with their lives. 
and I watched my parents, and they meant they were so good for each other. Um, and you know, I was so um, I was so much aware of that. So again, one of your specialties is is how do you build a deeper connection with your significant other? What does it mean to appreciate your partner? Rekindling love. You know, can and it seems to me if if it has faded, it's hard to rekindle. Harder than maybe the initial feelings. Um Go into those topics in greater detail. I know that's kind of a general statement, but what um, when you have a couple sitting in front of you and they both desire each other, but they don't know how to make it happen. How do you? How do you? I mean, maybe that's a bad example, but um, speak speak to these points. Okay, so um, imagine a man, a husband comes to me and says, how do I make my wife happy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) My answer is, uh, why don't you ask her? Why are you asking me? You know where she lives. Ask her. (laughs) She's right there in your house. Haven't you asked her what makes her happy? Why is that? Why, Why does this happen? where people go looking, you know, everywhere else to find out how to make their wife happy. And the only person they don't ask is their wife. There's something strange about that. Mm. And I think what it is, is we have this conviction or this assumption that if I get married, it's because it's going to be good for me. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be... I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be uh, taken care of or secure, whatever it is. And that focus on self gets in the way of intimacy. Intimacy means I can lose myself in this relationship. I can dissolve into the relationship. I can surrender to it. But when I'm constantly looking, trying to get something out of it, like an ATM, and it won't function. I start to kick the machine. <laughs> like, yeah. Where is my money? Yeah. So the first thing is, stop trying to get something out of the marriage and try to do something for your spouse instead. And what can you do for your spouse that's really meaningful? Only what the spouse needs. You can't buy flowers and hope she's happy because she doesn't like flowers. So instead you buy more flowers. And you just frustrate yourself and your spouse. So how do you get closer to someone? By discovering what is the closest thing to their life, to their heart. If you get to know what is closest to them, then you can join through that you can join and become as close. So if there's something more precious to you than I am, then I'm jealous. I want to get that close. So how do I how do I join? How do I let me in? So it's all about doing for the other, but doing for the other what the other needs, not what you think they need or should think you know, what they should need or what you need them to need. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful example. This couple is sitting, it's the fir- fourth time that we're meeting, and uh, he says, I am married to this woman for nine years, and I have no idea what she wants. Hmm. So naively, I said to the wife, You know, after nine years, it really is time for you to tell your husband what you want. And, of course, she says, tell him what I want. 
I have told him a thousand times. Of course, <laughs> of course. And he says, what, 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 what did you tell me? She says, I told you to stop making fun of my sister. Hmm. I look at him and, you know, with this look of success, I say, see that? Problem solved. After nine years, you finally know what she wants. And he says, you think that's what she wants? That's not what she wants. Her sister's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, what is the issue here? He you know, has that's, uh, I'm sorry. That strikes me as too simple an answer. Um, yeah, that's too obvious. But we all do it in more subtle ways. Mm -hmm. He has a sister who he hates. And he loves making fun of his sister. So when she says, what bothers me the most is that you make fun of my sister, he simply doesn't believe it. That can't be. Nobody is so sensitive about their sister. Must be something else. You're making me crazy. Right, right. If, if your wife or your husband says, this is what I need, you've got to take that seriously even though it would not be something you would ever need. But that's what makes a marriage so incredible. You're married to someone who is not you. You're not allowed to marry your sister. You're too similar. You have to marry a stranger. A stranger means she's going to need things you never even thought of. She's going to like things you hate, and she's going to hate things you like. Now you've got two people, and they can become one if they, if they allow the intimacy to happen. Now, now here's, if here's, you put, here's the real shocker. Here's go ahead. Shocker. Go ahead. There are two things that are getting in the way of intimacy. Preventing couples from bonding. you got to be ready for this. The two things that prevent couples from bonding is love and sex. How's that for a turnaround? Love is selfish. Love means I feel. I'm attracted. I love. That can get in the way and ruin a good relationship. Because it is a thing, and all things get in the way of intimacy. Anything I want from you, Anything about you that appeals to me will distract me from you. A man says, I love everything about my wife. I said, well, do you love her? He says, I love everything about her. I said, no, not about her. Do you love her? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Take away all things, there's nothing left. Now, that is so impersonal. That is so degrading. So you love everything I offer you, but you don't really need me. If somebody else offered the same thing, it would be just as good. So if I say I want to marry you for love, then what I'm saying is I want your love, not the rest of you. So I married you for love, and all of a sudden you're giving me an opinion, you have moods, you have needs. Hey, I didn't marry you for that. Just the love. <laughs> No, stick to the topic. I married you for love. Just give me love. Mm. And the same is true with sex. Sex can be intimate or it can be recreational. It's something we do. It's not going to bond us. It's going to get in the way. And, you know, all these magazines with seven secrets to better sex, that is so impersonal. Better sex with whom? For what? It's so selfish. It takes you into yourself and away from the person you're with. So how do we turn that around and make it a bonding experience? You have to dissolve all things so that it's just us. Just us. We don't play music. 
We don't have conversations during intimacy. You don't have the lights on during intimacy. You've got to get past all things. So turn off the lights so that you see nothing. Turn off all sound so you hear nothing. And don't make conversation. Just dissolve. Just melt into the relationship. Once that happens, you are bonded like Siamese twins. But the media, I always blame everything on the media, the media makes it sound like marriage is like an, a convenient arrangement for love and sex. No, that's what the destroying marriage is. Your parents had something between them, just them, to the exclusion of all things. So intimacy is a non-thing because human beings are not things. I'm not a thing. You're not a thing. That's how we bond. But when, we, when sex is not intimate, you know, after, being, after being intimate, after having sex, the common question is, how was it? <laughs> you see, how was it? Mm. There was no it. There was me. There was just us in the room. Where did the it come from? And secondly, you're asking how it was? Where were you? <laughs> you were right there. You should know how it was. Yeah, well, I know how it was for me. That is not bonding. Mm -hmm. That, in some sense, is abuse. I used you for me. Of course, you did the same to me, so we're equally guilty. <laughs> but we're not bonding. That's well, on out of marriage. Folks, we're, our guest this morning, if you tuned in late, is Rabbi Manus Friedman. He's written dozens of books. Uh, one that's been printed over and over and over is uh, called um, Doesn't Anyone Blush Anymore? I, do, I love the title. Um, Rabbi, you're 75. Uh, at what, uh, at what, how many years into your career did this become your focus area, relationships? Oh, about 50 years ago. Okay. And in, and again, th through your books or through, um, personal, um, counseling with couples and, and so on, what, I dare ask, what percentage of, of, of resolution do you think really has occurred? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Percentages are hard to, uh, hard, hard to determine. Yeah, I don't mean but to put it reaction, like that, but the uh, reaction of most people, most couples, is, boy, that's simple. Mm. Like, turn the lights off. When you're being intimate, turn the lights off. And people say, wow, it's that simple. No, it's not all, but yes. You don't hear anything, you don't see anything, you don't say anything. Well, where is your mind going to go? To each other, because that's that that's what's there. So just focus on what's there. Don't be distracted by things. By what? Uh, good, Don't be distracted by, by what? Things. 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 Okay. So, for example, your husband is out of town, and you miss him. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you miss about him? I don't know what I miss about him. He's not home, so I miss him. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but what about him? No, not something about him. Him. He is not home. <laughs> the funny thing is, the minute he walks in the door, it becomes about something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Now you can do whatever. Take out the garbage. Yeah. 
So how, how hard is it to get past the things we like about each other to just each other? Like elderly couples, they're not, they're not doing much for each other. They're not doing things. But I can't live without you. So that intimacy or that really personal connection is ignored because of the media. You get this and you'll get that and she's good for this and he's good for that and you're impressed with... Don't, don't do that. Even though when you're dating, when you're choosing a spouse, of course you look at all things, including his physical appearance. So you see things, you notice things, you like or dislike things, but that's in the dating process. Once you marry someone, all things become insignificant. It's like during dating, you're very selfish. You think, is this for me? But once you marry, it's, I'm here for you. You've got to make that switch. You can't keep dating the rest of your life. That, that prevents bonding. So, you know, if you ask your if you ask your grandmother, I don't know about your grandmother, but if you ask a grandmother, what happens in the bedroom? All grandmothers say, nothing. And you say, come on, tell me what happens in the bedroom. Nothing. I'm 48. You can tell me now. But the truth is, the answer is correct. A bedroom, no Thing. It's just them. Yeah, well, what are they doing? That's not the point. The point is they are there with nothing coming between them. According to Jewish law, intimacy must be without clothing. You're not allowed to be intimate with clothes on. Nothing must come between you. And if, if clothing can get between you, then a distracting thought will certainly get between you and ruin the intimacy. So fantasizing about somebody else when, when you're with your spouse, completely forbidden. It's abusive. You're using me and fantasizing about somebody else? It is so disrespectful. And, and it's so distancing. You're not even thinking about me. How is this going to bond us? So it's really not complicated. Our grandparents instinctively understood this. And they had great, true, intimate, bonding relationships. Divorce was out of the question. I may not like many things about you, but I need you. You're the focus. You're the other half of me. So we'll argue for the rest of our lives about things. But never a question about us. Is there... <clears throat> let, me, let me switch the phrase around and then you tell me... Is it sounds to me like there is no such thing as a perfect marriage. Well, if if you're really into each other, that's perfect. Everything else will not be perfect, and it doesn't matter. Uh. You know, we all know couples who argued and bickered for 120 years of married bliss. <laughs> Because they were bickering about this or that, never about each other. There was never a question but that you belong in my life and I belong in your life. And that will never be doubted, that will never be questioned, and that will never be regretted. But the way you cook, oh, God. <laughs> mm. or, or the way you, you, you leave your clothes all over the place and the way you... so. It's okay to disagree on many things. 
because they're just things. They come and go. But there should never be any doubt as to the belonging together. We are made for each other. We belong together. This is a match made in heaven, and it always is. So it's bigger than the two of us. So we can surrender to it. And particularly with women. If a woman can't surrender herself to her husband, she does not feel natural. She doesn't feel like herself. There's something awkward and something uncomfortable going on because what she really wants to do is just close her eyes and surrender herself. But if she can't trust you, then she can't afford to surrender. So it's total frustration. So a husband has to provide the security, the safety, that allows for that kind of spontaneous abandon of self. And the only time you can be spontaneous is if you're solidly and safely ensconced in a relationship that isn't going away. Um, you know, you, you <clears throat> one of the things I read is that you believe there are two types of love. Um, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my friends. Um, Don't forget don't forget chocolate. <laughs> don't ch chocolate? Did you say? Yeah, <laughs> I do like chocolate. Um, but what you're getting at? Two types of love. Help us. Well, there's there's a, a functional love, which means again, love for functional, uh, practical reasons. Uh, I love talking to you. Because it's so easy to talk to you, and I like to talk. Mm -hmm. So it's not really about you. It's about this activity, this function, this benefit that I get by talking to you, which is great. It's a great social talent, but it's not personal. And then there's the ultimate romantic love, just you, even if it hurts. Even if I benefit nothing, but you have to be in my life. That that love, that's, that's a whole different story. Of course. And of course, the same thing is with God. People claim they love God, but it's a love that is practical. You know, I could never do this without God's help. Well, that's nice. He's useful. <laughs> but it's not really about him. Uh, it's utilitarian. How would I manage without God? Ah, I could never do anything without him. That is so insulting. It's telling God that he's useful. That is not intimate, and that is not the love we're supposed to have for God. And the reason is, <laughs> he loves us, and it's not utilitarian. <laughs> because... We don't do much for him. So other than being his, bonding with him, other than that, we, we do very little for him. And yet that's what he loves in us. So if we're going to reciprocate, we can't love him for something because he loves us just for us. you got to love him just for him. So the way our relationship with God goes, that's how our relationship with each other will go. And and the reverse as well. Folks, we our guest, uh, I'm sorry, Rabbi, uh, our guest this morning is Manus Friedman, uh, uh, Rabbi Manus Friedman. <coughs> Excuse me. He's um, in New York State as we speak, and um, he's... I just, um, everything I've read about you just impresses me about how you are helping people. And 
dealing with just the most basic of thoughts. And here, you know, our 50-minute interview is down to two minutes remaining. Oh, my. Yeah. The time has flown by. It's almost like we're going to have to have a follow-up down the road. But Yeah, I was just warming up. <laughs> well, you know, in two minutes, just talk about your concern about feminism. You have um, you've made some real marks there with helping women with femininity. I think I mm-hmm. said that right. Um, yeah. Let's wrap up with that, and we're going to have to do more down the road, I can tell. Mm. Well, I, I just gave out the latest book, um, Creating a Life That Matters. And part of it, I mean, there are many subjects in the book, but part of it is, Women are such incredible beings, so awesome, that to reduce women down to can you do what men do is so insulting and so unnecessary. Women have been given a really bad uh, deal in, in the media and in trying, you know, trying to, to, to make women valid and great by offering them everything men are good at is is the exact opposite of what women need. If you respect a woman for being a woman, now you're respecting her. If you respect the fact that she can run a company or be as 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 aggressive and as tough as a man, you're not respecting women. So Feminism has a very good cause, but their their answer to the problem is wrong. Don't reduce women to as capable as men. Find what is unique about the woman and, and worship it. Adore it. Be in awe of it. That would, that would put women back to the rightful place in society. Rabbi, thank you for joining us. Um, I, you know, I'm I feel honored because you have been on every major network. You've been on all sorts of programs of notoriety, and and um, I I hope down the road we can do it again. I would love to because they only give me six minutes. <laughs> yeah, we we give you fifty, but. Yeah. Uh, Listen, safe travels. Get back to uh, Minnesota safely and all of that, and uh, I'll reach out to you again, okay? Thank you so much. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. Let's see here. Scott, tomorrow, it's Friday, and we wrap up the week, huh? In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Cammie McCormick. The number of Americans filing for jobless benefits has fallen to its lowest level since the pandemic began. Bankrate.com's Mark Hamrick. With so many jobs available and opportunities to work remote at least some of the time, the good news is that workers stand a reasonable chance of improving their employment situation, including better pay and working conditions. Clearly, that's what many want. And many are demanding. 10,000 John Deere workers walked off the job. The Kellogg strike continues, and entertainment workers are threatening a strike next week. All this as prices continue to rise for everything from food to fuel. The Biden administration has promised to ease the backlog at the nation's ports, but worker shortages are still an issue. Trucker Gerald Goldsby on the prospects for Christmas. Oh, it's going to be crazy. It's not just with drivers. There's a shortage in warehouse workers, you know, in retail. And with store shelves emptying already. You've already heard this. You better get out and get it because it will not be here for the full length of the season. Store owner David Hansen. I think there's going to be an awful lot of uh, businesses that will not be here first quarter, second quarter next year. You just can't make it if you don't have the product to sell. And uh, this is the time of year to be selling. The shortages are also widespread overseas, as Elaine Cobb reports. For the past 20 years, shoppers in Britain have had a wide choice of cheap food. 
but the country's biggest chicken producer says that's about to end. Ranjit Singh Boparan warns rising production and transport costs will push up prices for the consumer. Britain is feeling the effects of problems with the global supply chain and pandemic fallout, but it's also got Brexit to contend with, leaving it short of migrant workers. Elaine Cobb, CBS News. An FDA advisory panel is meeting at this hour, the first of two days of meetings on whether booster shots for the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson vaccine should be approved. Key to giving those shots, if approved, and flu shots will be access. Here's correspondent Laura Podesta. Health experts say local doctors will be the key to inoculating hard-hit communities. By going through primary care, you'll be able to also reach populations that up to this point have been less vaccinated in terms of communities that are dying at a higher rates than others. Some health centers are giving out COVID vaccines along with the flu shot. Britain's Prince William wasn't much of a fan.